Welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. We are your hosts. I am Nate Endries. I am Nick Endries. And I am No Money Mike, Mike Humes. Coming back at you for, I believe this is the third straight season that me, Nick, and Mike have done this all-star break extended week roundtable podcast. So you guys are in for a treat this week. It's been a little while since I've been back on the podcast. I'm excited. Uh, but don't expect more. <laughs> Let's get into last week's recap, looking at the matchup review. First matchup, JC and company just barely edged out Beaver Valley All-Stars by slightly over two points. In the second matchup, this one was a little bit less close. Eating ass and taking names beat Look at My Tatis by over 100 points. Third matchup, Jake's fantasy baseball team kept things rolling, beating no Money Mike by slightly less than 50 points. In the fourth matchup, Team Eminon, Scott, he also kept things rolling on his good season, beating Team C. Deemer by 28 points. The fifth matchup, the Mighty Vibes, beat the Walk Institute of Research, a.k.a. the bye week, by 16 points. And in the last matchup of the week, the Flying Rutschman beat weak pullout hitter by almost 100 points. So another... Not very close matchup in that last one. And with respect to the median, all the winning teams went 2-0 on the week, except for JC, who went 1-1 on the week, with Nick Lee getting the final league median victory despite falling in a loss to Scott's team. That would bring us to takeaways from the week. Guys, do you have any big takeaways after maybe not just this past week, but really looking back on the whole first half of the season, Mike, I'll go to you first. Biggest takeaway is that the West, and again, I think um, the West is going to be one of these things where we still don't know who's going to be the seller, who's going to go for the playoff chase because the West is a very close chase outside of Scott. So I'm very curious to see if we start to see even more selling teams, but Right now, that's just one of my biggest takeaways. I would say my biggest takeaway, just as somebody that I think I talk to the most people in the league, I would say almost more often than anybody. Uh, I don't know if that made sense, but I, I try to talk to everybody in the league, regardless of whether I talk to that person regularly. So I have a pretty decent feel, I think, for how people manage their teams. And I felt like with Courtney being outed, over the offseason and Nick Lee coming in, I had very high hopes because I really liked what Nick Lee had to say on last year's guest host feature of the podcast. Uh, but it seems like there's a very clear line between, you know, a core group of people that is looking to trade very often and a core group of people that is pretty much against trading as a style of management. Now, I would be biased and say that that's not a good thing, but I'll try to be unbiased and say that I don't know whether that's good or bad. But what I can say is that it has led to a lot less trading, or at least it feels that it's led to a lot less trading through one half of the season so far. Nick, what uh, what takeaway do you have? Uh, there, there are some fallers on the east side. Mike, I believe your team started out pretty hot beginning of the year, around mm -hmm. eight and two, I think, mm -hmm. and now sitting at fourteen and fourteen, you know, hitting a pretty big skid lately. But you should take solace in that. I'm also falling. I am now for the first time since I can remember out of wildcard contention currently sitting 
ninth overall in the standings. So uh, the standings look pretty different than, you know, what I'm used to seeing them look uh, over recent years. And really just to go off of that, I think that just kind of shows how competitive the East really is. Now, granted, my team has definitely been underperforming as of late. But again, in that East division, we have Jake, who obviously is going to be a contender most years. Nate. Every year. Every year. Actually. (laughs) And I mean, currently he's leading it in the East. He's the top team right now. Um, Nick, yourself, I mean, you've won the title the past two years. Nate, you're always always going to be in there. So I think that just goes to show that the East is the very good. Brief pause there. It's Nate's little puppy was I don't know what she was doing. She letting out a deep sigh. But anyway, uh, uh, no, I think that just goes to show that the East is super competitive, and I'm very excited to see how those top three standings are going to go. Sure, it's a good segue into our standings update in the East side uh, of the league. Jake's fantasy baseball team improves to 24 and four in second place. I'm starting to separate myself a little bit, uh, eating ass and taking names 17 and 11 in third place, JC and company with a 15 and 13 record over in the West. Scott is very much separating himself from the competition. Not that anybody has really been on his heels all season, but team Eminon with a 19 and nine record behind him is a two way tie, but in that actual second place spot is Team C Deemer with a 14 and 14 record. Also sitting at 500, but in third place is Jerwin, the Mighty Vibes, 14 and 14. In the wild card race, Mike would actually be second place in the West Division if that kind of speaks to the disparity between the two divisions in the league this year. But he is in the first wild card spot right now with a 500 record himself, no money Mike. And then in the Second wild card spot right now is Brendan, the Flying Rutschman, with a 13 and 15 record. More on the standings later because we will be doing a segment that, you know, very much takes a look at the standings and projects forward. But with that being said, let's move on to trades that have happened since last week's episode. There were two. One was a pretty big one, one not so much, but let's start with the big one. Mike, you gave up Kyle Wright, Bobby Miller and J.D. Martinez, and in return, you got from Jordan, Jesus Lazardo, and Brandon Nimmo. I'll give my take on this first. Uh, I definitely preferred your side. I would say maybe I'm a little bit biased because I'm one of the teams that's competing to try to win this year. Jesus Lazardo is the best player to help a team do that. But what I also notice is that Jesus Lazardo actually – I don't even think that you have to stretch your imagination to make an argument that he is a keeper himself – Whereas the only keeper that Jordan realistically got in this trade is Bobby Miller. And I would say that that's putting some faith in Bobby Miller's development moving forward. So I very much prefer your side of this deal, Mike. Uh, I don't think that Bobby Miller is not a keeper, but I would feel better about keeping Jesus Lazardo if the season ended today than I would about Bobby Miller, even with the price difference. So Nick, what were your thoughts of this trade? You know, at first when I saw it, I was like, I think this makes uh, Mike's team in the immediate sense, a little bit better, but I'm not sure so much in the long run. But the more I looked at it, the more I really like the side that you got, Mike. Uh, as Nate pointed out, Luzardo has been crushing it. I believe he's been the uh, number two or number three overall starting pitcher over the past five or six weeks. And I even saw uh, from Chris or Eric Cross, he tweeted out looking at Luzardo's 
last five starts. He's pitched 31.2 innings. He has a 1.14 ERA, a .79 whip, so people aren't getting on base. He's walking very little at 5.18 or 5.1% clip, and he's striking out 34.2% of batters across that span. He's looking really good. I have him in one league. I've been enjoying him. He's a hands down the best piece uh, in this deal. And I agree with Nate. I would rather have Luzardo as a keeper over the big discount of Bobby Miller. And it's not to take anything away from, you know, Bobby Miller's draft price as if he were to be kept, it's going to likely be at a discount compared to where he would be drafted next year, barring how he continues to perform, but he's only done well, like just well, he hasn't been a world beater. He's just been above average in his beginning of uh, his career with the Dodgers. You know, it's exciting that he's with the Dodgers, but I'd say it's more so right now in this season having a uh, SPARP eligibility, whereas next season he's going to lose that. So that brings his value down even more. Um, so I, I thought that was, you know, a good price to give up that you're giving up a higher upside SPARP, which could hurt you because I think high upside SPARPs can really help a team push himself to a championship, you know, berth. You know, I think of guys I had in the past that helped me with Carlos Rodon when he was SPARP eligible and Ranger Suarez. Nate has a really great spark right now and uh, Spencer Strider. So having one on your team is great. Uh, I'm not saying Bobby Miller is, but he kind of has that upside, but he's still yet to really show, show it over a long stretch. Um, so I'm right there with you, Nate. I really like uh, Mike's side of the deal. And I actually prefer the keeper eligibility, uh, eligibility of Luzardo over Bobby Miller. Now, Mike, I see you over there pulling up Jesus Lazardo's player page, but what I actually want you to do, given that, Nick and I just covered Jesus Lazardo at length mm-hmm. is I want you to speak to Bobby Miller and what you felt about him as a player at the time of making the trade, because you were the big Bobby Miller guy for a period of a month where you thought he was the next Dodgers ace. And then all of a sudden he ran into two really bad starts. And I know just from talking to you a lot that I don't necessarily think that you soured on him or were considering dropping him or were panicked to sell him but your tune definitely changed on him. So just talk us through that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, me as I am a Pirates fan, don't get me wrong, but I got to compete for a team that, you know, I mean, I know the Pirates have been doing okay this year, but got to compete for a team that, you know, is going to be good. Um, So obviously being a Dodgers fan, seeing a young buck coming in like Bobby Miller, super excited to see that he was performing well. Um, his first two outings, two or three outings, again, just saw the the upside. I'm like, whoa, okay, nice. I'm I'm definitely interested in this. And then, you know, he had those two two bad outings, and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, eh, you know, okay, um, gotta gotta stay a little bit patient. And then I think we started to see the middle of okay, the upside, and then the floor with the rest of the outings. So I'm like. Plus, with the injury of Clayton Kershaw, Mike Trout, I went to Jordan. I just kind of saw he opened up his trade block, and I looked at his team. And even though there wasn't a whole lot there, um, I needed a center fielder. Nimmo's actually been a pretty underrated center fielder, in my personal opinion. And that's really how this conversation started, to be honest with you. And then he needed a little bit of an extra piece. He brought up Bobby Miller, and I sat and – like oh gosh I don't know I don't know if I want to move him I like Bobby Miller but I'm like what's your take on Jesus Cesardo we talked a little bit more the deal happened and I think with this trade as a whole you know I I feel like I got some good replacements with Brandon Nimmo for Mike Trout I know Nimmo's definitely not Mike Trout but he's solid enough that he'll be in my 
lineup for most weeks. And then obviously with Clayton Kershaw being out, you know, he always goes out around this time of the year. I think Luzardo fits right in. And Kyle Wright, who knows what he's going to be down the road. He could be Kyle Wright of last year, but I don't want to play that risk game where Luzardo, like you, Nate, uh, Nate and Nick have been mentioning how well he has been pitching. And I've never been a huge Luzardo guy, but I've just been seeing it more and more as his outings are going. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just pull the trigger. If Bobby Miller's the guy he wants, we're going to go for it. So that's pretty much how it happened. I think that'll do for analysis on that first trade. The second one of the week, the final one of the week, was a much smaller trade. JC gave up Yoan Duran, and Brendan gave up Adalberto Mondes, sorry, uh, Jazz Chisholm Jr. in return <laughs> to get Yoan Duran. Oh, my uh, For this trade, I didn't really care too much about it. It's, it's a really interesting trade to me because these guys both are certainly names. And I actually think that Yoan Duran has some right now value. And Jazz Chisholm could, in theory, have big-time value if he were healthy. Uh, but at the same time, I just was not compelled to care about this trade. Mike, I'll go right back to you. What did you – or was your gut reaction when you saw this? To be honest with you, until we started this whole uh, itinerary, I didn't even really straight happen. Um, so that's pretty much <laughs> – it's pretty much where my opinion is. I mean, look, Jazz Chisholm's got a lot of talent, but the guy just really can't stay healthy. Johan Duran, I mean, he's a decent closer. I mean, he does have good right now value. But, yeah, that's, again, honestly, it just kind of blew over my head. Um, I really don't have much to say after that. Nick. No, I, I laugh because that's kind of – I was right there with you, Mike. I saw it and kind of forgot about it. Um, and like you pointed out, Nate, like both guys have great tools, but putting them to use and actually putting forth consistent production, it just hasn't really happened for either of the two. Uh, so I don't, I don't really see a lot of value in either apart from the names. Duran has been good this year. He's been good this year. Let's see what he's doing on the season as I stall and let Brendan's team page load. Yoan Duran is average. Okay. Maybe not as good as I thought. He's averaging four and a half points a game. He has great stats, 45 strikeouts in 34 and one-third innings pitched, a 210 ERA, a 102 whip. I think the problem with the Twins is they just don't have a lot of save opportunities. Right, it's like great tools but not consistent production. Yep, yep. Um, but that wraps up the trades from this past week. But we're going to talk about trades some more. We're going to look back at all the trades that have happened. There are not actually that many <laughs> for the first half of the season, but – if you guys remember, we have done this segment in the past. It's called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And we're going to look back at all the trades that have happened over the first half of the season, maybe excluding these most recent two, just because they haven't had much time to age. And we're each going to give one or two trades that we thought fit each of those three categories. So, Nick, why don't you kick us off and give us a trade that you thought falls under the category of The Good? Uh, I'll do this one short and uh, quick. I thought The Good category was actually – the one that the league didn't have a great reaction to at first. And that's when Nick Lee gave up Max Scherzer, Jeremy gave up Mackenzie Gore and Cattell Marte. Now going forward, personally, I'd still prefer Scherzer of the two like main pieces of Cattell Marte, Max Scherzer. However, Cattell, you know, he's turned it on this year and he's been a top five second baseman throughout the season. And uh, I foresee that continuing. I don't know if he'll ever be top three, uh, maybe in a given week he will, but you know, he's still going to be a valuable piece and a tough, you know, roster spot of second base 
and that's a good piece to have on Nick's side. Um, you know, he took some flack for it at the beginning, but it's aged pretty well for him taking a shot on Cattell Marte. Now I know Max Scherzer hasn't been great. Um, I believe he's outside the top 40 starting pitchers on the year, but he's still very touted, you know, ranked highly amongst, you know, your fantasy baseball experts. Like I think about like your go-to CBS fantasy baseball experts, and they still have him ranked as a top 10 to 15 starting pitcher the rest of the season. So I think Scherzer is still a nice piece for uh, Jerwin to have, you know, especially in the points format. So I thought this aged very well. Um, I do have an honorable mention, but I want to throw it out there in case you two mention it. Maybe I'll mention it at the end. Mike, do you have one queued up for the good, or you want me to go? No, I do. Okay. Um, it's a trade between you and I, Nate. It was uh, which one? <laughs> yeah, which one? Right. Uh, the one in particular is I traded away Michael Harris for Jose Barrios. Hey, that was my honorable mention. Well, to be honest with you, I know a lot of people have their opinion of Jose Barrios, but I'm going to just speak it as it is right now. This season, he's been pretty solid. Um, I think he'd be a pitcher in on most teams that, you know, you're starting him week in, week out. I know, again, a lot of people have their opinions of him, but he's been a pretty solid pitcher for me. And I think Michael Harris, for you, he definitely has started to come back to life a bit. In a big way. In a big way. So I think you got the center fielder that you needed, and I got a – SP call it three or four for my team and you know there hasn't been one week where I haven't started him and you know he's had a few bad outings but more more so or less he's been above average so I think that one really aged out pretty well I'm gonna go with uh a different trade that you and I made Mike I was gonna feel bad about picking trades that I've been involved with but I realized about halfway through thinking about this segment that you and I have made basically a third of the trades this year Yep, it's that phone call I get at seven thirty whenever I'm leaving at work. Yeah, start giving me a call. It's usually how that. Listen, just so everybody knows, this is usually how this happens. I get done with work around like seven. I give Nate a call because you know the older I get, the less friends I have. Not to say that's sad. It is a little sad, but that happens when you get older. You want to talk to people that your circle gets smaller. Yeah, your circle gets smaller. <laughs> so I usually call Nate. Literally, it's seven thirty-one right now. We usually call him around this time and we'll talk about life. We'll talk about work. And then usually that leads into a trade. So just in case anybody was wondering or questioning, that's usually how that happens. Anyway, the trade that I picked uh, for the good was I gave up Tommy Edmond and Francisco Lindor and in return got from Mike Austin Riley, which that was definitely, I'll, I'll speak. I think it's obvious why that trade, if Mike had kept him around was good for Mike because Lindor is now averaging three points a game. So he's a stud just like he was drafted to be in the third round of our draft. Uh, but I think that that was particularly a good move on my part because it was definitely uh, future oriented while recognizing the upside that Austin Riley would you know i believed at the time and that is now coming to fruition would offer to my team before the season's end you know it wasn't necessarily that i was just trading for a guy that i could keep this off season or a guy that even if he was a bum throughout the rest of the season i'd be able to flip at the deadline i actually also believed in that third element which is that he would come back around and be the austin riley that people were excited to draft coming into this season and looking back over the last 30 days austin riley's been averaging three points a game on the nose so he has definitely come around in a big way and I think at the time of the trade I was playing Luis Arias at third third base or maybe Tommy Edmond himself so at the time of the trade I did actually not have a dedicated third baseman and 
what that trade allowed me to do was move a Luis Arias to second base, slot Austin Riley in at third base. And then my hole basically became shortstop. But at the time of the trade, I felt like Anthony Volpe was going to pan out. Um, it all worked out in the end because I was able to get Francisco Lindor back through Mike trading him to Scott and then oh, Scott trading him back to me. For a much cheaper price. But uh, that trade in and of itself, I felt like was a very quality trade. Uh, a win now superstar for a proven but struggling at the time keeper. And, and that keeper has turned it around. So I would say regardless of where the pieces ended up, both players have provided, I think, very good value. Uh, I did not have any honorable mentions, so we can move to the bad. Nick, kick us off with your pick for the bad. Okay, the bad. I have Nate Gibbs, Nestor Cortez, and Jared Kalanick. Sam Gibbs, Justin Verlander. Now, since this trade, Sam did not even get to use Cortez, and that's just by luck of the draw, injury happening. Cortez has been on the IL, and Kalanick has been straight-up garbage. Worthy drop candidate. He should not even be started. I think we saw in Sam's lineup currently he's being started. And since this trade, so over months' time, he has a grand total of 38.1 points in total for an average of 1.19 points a game. That's good enough during that time period to be the 340th best hitter <clears throat> since the trade. He is not good. He's on a big strikeout spree once again. And unfortunately, Sam doesn't have his one other valuable piece in the deal that he got, Nestor Cortez through injury whereas this i didn't give this like an ugly rating i put in the bad category because Berlander, justin Verlander hasn't good. been a world beater either he's averaging you know? just over 10 points a game i actually did the math since the trade yeah he's been the 75th best pitcher during this time since the trade <laughs> happened but again he still has at least name value he has value moving forward you know again referencing the cbs fantasy you know analyst he's still a top 15 to 25 sp rest of season right, so he's still a valuable piece and I have, you know, reason to believe that he's going to be a very serviceable pitcher the rest of the year. Is he going to be Justin Verlander of last year? Likely not. Could he get back there? Maybe for stretches. Is he somebody that you want to put in your starting lineup? Yeah, I think most of every manager would like to have Justin Verlander in their in their lineup, so he's still valuable. I'll go next. Uh, my pick for the bad was <clears throat> another trade that Mike made. And I was ready for this, so let's go for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that this one is pretty fair to say. I don't, I'm not going to call it ugly because you didn't get nothing out of the trade, but you just didn't get enough, I felt. And that trade was with Scott, where Mike, you gave up Shohei Otani, Francisco Lindor, and Seth Lugo. And in return, you got Wonder Franco, Shane Bieber, and Rizel Iglesias. So, I would say let's just nix Seth Lugo from this discussion because he's not relevant, whereas the other five players are to varying varying extents. What makes this trade bad uh, is not so much the value that you got in return if we were considering a redraft context, and even then I would probably give the edge to Scott. What makes it a very poor trade is that Shohei Otani is the number two player in, in our league right now behind Ron Acuna, who is also on your team. So you could actually have far and away the best two players in the league. But the, you know, the, the cherry on top is that Shohei Otani is actually keepable for one more year. I'm sure Scott is thrilled to have Shohei Otani on his team for this year, but also getting him in the fourth round next year. Uh, it, it pretty much doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't matter what the return was, but you also gave up Francisco Lindor, who 
over the past month and a half has been performing just as highly as Wonder Franco has. And uh, Shane Bieber and Rizal Iglesias are just not enough to make up the difference for me. Shane Bieber has been very inconsistent this year. I, I don't really know how to value Shane Bieber, so I'm not going to be too harsh on him. But, yeah, I would say maybe if you just gave up Otani and were able to get Franco, Bieber, and Iglesias, I would think that that would probably be pretty fair given Otani's value this year and as a keeper. But giving up Lindor definitely hurts hurts this trade and, and puts it into the bad category for me. Mike, what is your pick for the bad? Yeah, um, I had uh, <clears throat> where Nick traded Max Freed and got Marcus Simeon. Um, Max Freed coming from Jordan's team, or excuse me, from your team, Nick, and then Marcus Simeon from Jordan. <clears throat> uh, Max Freed is set to come back pretty soon. But Marcus Simeon has been by far one of the best second basemen. Plus, he's got that shortstop eligibility. I think he's averaging, like, what, 3.3 points per game. He's with the Rangers. The Rangers' offense is not as good as Atlanta, but a very close second. So I think getting a really top bat like that for an injured pitcher who's still just – we don't know what, how he's going to be when he comes back. Um, I just think it overall not great for Jordan. Awesome for Nick. Do you guys have any honorable mentions? Oh, I could I could just toss out a bunch of honorable mentions. This one's not ugly because one. it didn't it didn't age well for either side. But Alejandro Kirk for Miguel Vargas. That's that, a bad that was trade. the one I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, they're both turds. Both the more worst. egregious thing is Miguel Vargas getting drafted in the fifth round. I can't believe somebody did that. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. I had uh, Nate. You giving up a bunch of these no names except for Henry Davis, Julio Teheran. Griffin Canning, Henry Davis for Hunter Green and Christian and Carnarcio Strand. Mike, what were you thinking? Hunter Green's not even going to be back. Yeah, I haven't, got, I haven't gotten anything from that trade. Yeah, but his name value alone is worth in all three of these guys combined. I mean, says since, the guy who traded for Henry Davis. Yeah, I mean, I would rather <laughs> you want Henry. You want Henry Davis for Hunter Green? No, exactly. <laughs> but since Canning has posted a grand total of negative points across his two starts since the trade. He's worthy to be dropped. That's why I dropped him right before this. You picked him up when Mike could have picked him up off of waivers, but instead traded you Hunter Green for him. And Tehran, you know, again, he didn't even put up any positive points for Mike. He put up negative points in total, is now on the waivers, and he started him in a matchup against you where he lost by 0.1 points. It's crucial. You know what I got to say to that? That's fantasy for you. You win some, you lose some. <laughs> That was my honorable honorable mention. I'm sorry, Mike. It's okay. I'm counting the trades right now because I'm I'm. You guys probably count for at least a third. Well, of them, listen, <clears throat> I'm thinking about like every trade that we've talked about so far. I think has involved one of the three of us, except for maybe one that you. No, mentioned. I pointed out Nick Lee and Gerald. Yep. So I I've counted, and so far I've only gotten to. And that's going to be the total on the season. There have been only four total trades on the season that have not that have not involved one of me, Nick, or Mike. So if you think that we're talking about ourselves a lot on this segment, uh, I think that's more of a reflection from the mirror, sh shining it back at you guys. We literally have four trades to pick from to squeeze into this segment that did not involve one of the three of us. So I'm I'm trying to scour here and, and I'm intentionally not picking picking any of my trades that I've done. But anyway, well, we have the ugly. Too. Yep, we can get on we can move on to the ugly and Nick, I will toss this one to you first. Okay. 
Mike, I'm sorry. The beginning of the season, you had a very bad gut reaction of trading Jackson Churio to Nate for Bryce Terang. That was just a I was, I was, I was looking at that one. Which in turn, Nate move Jackson Churio for yeah, what you but... should do with a quality keeper and getting a guy like Francisco Lindor, who you gave up Austin Riley to get Lindor. So you used Terang, I think, maybe for a scoring period, and then he went back on waivers, and you gave Nate the super keeper in the eyes of at least those who follow, you know, fantasy baseball to the dynasty level of prospects where Jackson Churio is a really highly touted prospect. And you saw, you know, what Scott, somebody that's really in the know, gave up for Jackson Churio and the future hopes of him, you know, really bringing about fantasy production and giving up a guy like Francisco Lindor. So that was that was it. You gave up a big piece of, you know, a very valuable trading piece for just a fill-in for, for a week in Bryce Terang. Mike, any any comment to that, or if you I was just to go gonna say with, with how I kind of went about it, I didn't like. Obviously, there's a lot of pieces that got moved from trades that happened previously. I just kind of look at the trades as it is right now. But uh, yeah, dumb dumb mistake on my part. Like I said, it's fantasy. You win some, you lose some. But uh, I'll, I'll chime in with my pick for the ugly, and this has to be like you look up in the dictionary the definition of an ugly trade, and this has to be the definition. <laughs> Nick, you gave up A.J. smith Shaver, who is now in the minor leagues, and Mike Trout, who is potentially out for the rest of the fantasy this season. This is – I've had Mike Trout for a week, for, not even. I'm not saying – I'm not necessarily implying that it's your fault, Mike, but you gave up Luis Robert, who has been an absolute stud since this trade, and O'Neal Cruz, who, you know, I'm not personally sold that he is a lock it, set it, and forget it keeper, but I think that a lot of people see him as, at worst – a fourth best keeper in their pool unless you have the very stacked pool so in other words a guy that people have you know see value in whereas Chaver was not drafted Mike Trout was kept in the first round neither of those guys have keeper value to even salvage what they're not giving you right now by being injured and optioned respectively so that was a very tough trade especially for a team that was in second place in the division at the time we should uh, just call, yourself Mike we should just call this the roast session of no money, Mike. Said well, sir. Well, like I told you, Mike. Yeah, I thought only some praiser way too. Only Maybe four trades on the season have not involved one of the three of us, and I think Nick and I have only made two trades together. So any trade other than those six are going to be trades that you've made, Mike. Yeah, I think that one injury, like you pointed out with the Freed and Semyon trade injury, has a lot to do with it. Obviously, which you can't control which I'm actually going to go back and say that I did have an honorable mention for the good. I really liked even reflecting on it and looking back at the trade. I really liked that deal that you and I made Nick with Sandy Alcantara, Julio Urias, Manuel Clase, Kenley Jansen in company. I think yeah, that was too. a really quality trade, but uh, Mike, who's your pick for the ugly? So I'm going to pick one that is, I mean, I would say, honestly, uh, it probably would be the Mike Trout trade that I made. Um, well, I'm going to force you to pick a different one. I am going to pick a different one. All right. It's not necessarily ugly, but more so a team, I think, in my personal opinion, got way more value out of that trade. And it was back when Jake and Jerwin made a trade. I considered this one, but I felt like it was too harsh to call it ugly. Where Jake got, in return, Josh Hader and Josh Lowe. Is it Lowe or Lau? Josh Lowe. Lowe. His teammate is Brandon Lau. And then Jerwin got Tanner Bibby. Bybee. Bybee. 
Reed Detmers and Nolan Gorman. Now, Detmers, I know he had a little bit of a rough outing right before All-Star break, but he has been coming back to form a little bit. Bibby looks like he could be one of those next Guardians pitchers who's going to be a solid pitcher in return. And then Nolan Gorman, I mean, he's, he's he should be on waivers if he's sure. not already. When you look at this trade as a whole, we're talking about Detmers and Bibby for Josh Hader. And I know that Josh Hader is a pretty solid closer. If not, still maybe a top three, top five. He's the second best, I believe. Wait, do you prefer Jerwin's side? I personally believe that he got two really good pitchers out of that. Oh, I actually oh, wow. heavily prefer yeah. Jake's side. Yeah, really? I, I, I totally disagree with you, Mike. Which trade are you talking about? Hader? I'm talking about the same trade as you. Yeah, Hader. No, the one that you were thinking about. No, that's That's it. it. Oh. You described it. Hater I'd much for, rather have Hater. Hater for Bybee and, and Bybee's not consistent, and Detmers will never be a two-star pitcher, so then he's a matchup play, which means any given week it can be, you know, on the bench. Well, and Hater would probably be the first closer off the board in a draft that's fair. today. Maybe I'm looking at it wrong. But either way, I think it aged out really bad, so everybody's got their opinions. Yeah, I mean, hey, that just goes to show value is subjective. Mike would rather have Bybee and Detmers than Hater. Nick and I would rather have Hater than Bybee and Detmers. There you have it. Uh, our next segment, I promised that we would get back to the standings or at least projecting the standings forward. We are going to do a playoff prediction and not just predicting the playoff bracket, but also we're going to predict the results of the playoff bracket. And I'm actually going to start by giving what, fan tracks predicts to be the playoff bracket now they're not going to predict the results of that bracket but for anybody that doesn't know they're in the standings feature on the actual website so not in the app you would have to go on the website on your phone or on your actual computer you can go into the standings tab and there's a little icon at the top that says show projected and if you click that it'll show what it projects the final standings for the entire season to be and obviously you can take from that what the playoff bracket that Fantrax is projecting from today is going to be. So I will read the top eight in order and then divulge what that would mean for the actual playoff bracket. And then after that, uh, Nick, myself, and Mike will each pick our own actual playoff brackets and, and give you our picks for the winners of that. In first place, Fantrax is projecting Jake at a 30-7 and seven record. I believe only projecting him to lose three games from this point. Sounds right. Even more impressive than that, it's projecting Scott to finish in second place with a 27 and 10 record. So only projecting him to lose one more game from this point. Now, I guess I should say this is going to, it's going to be uh, one game, one matchup short, if you will, because if you remember our very last regular season matchup, we have to set the matchups themselves to be opposite standings matchups, if you will. So right now it's just showing the last week is one matchup only against the median for everybody. So that's why you hear the odd number record, but Jake in first place, Scott in second place has my team projected in third place with a 26 and 11 record. So it does not project me to lose for the rest of the regular season. JC in fourth place at 22 and 15. And then it gets really tight with Mike in fifth place, 21 and 16. Jerwin in sixth place, 19 and 18. Brendan in seventh place with a 17 and 20 record. And Sam in eighth place, making a huge climb, finishing with a 16 and 21 record. So 
you'll notice that it actually projects Nick Lee, who is in second place in the West right now, to completely miss playoffs. It projects him to only win one more game, one more matchup for the rest of the season. thought that was really interesting. So that would leave a, a bracket of Jake playing Sam on the east side of the bracket, me playing JC. On the west side of the bracket, it would have Scott playing Brendan in the first round and Jerowin playing – I think I actually read that wrong. Yeah. Are you doing your predictions or are you just doing fan tracks? This is just fan tracks. Because I'm going to use my predictions. Well, no, no, no. I'm just reading fan tracks to set the tone for everybody. Gotcha. Maybe Jake versus Sam. I can sum it up how the bracket would go. The no. winner in the east would play this – well, that would be Jake. He'd play the second wild card team. Which is number yeah three. no but I guess the way what I got confused by is the Fantrax is having it's approaching it from an interesting angle here it's saying that three of sorry four of the top eight spots are going to go to the west side of the bracket so I was just reading that one one two heavy so the so the west side of the bracket would be Jerwin versus Brendan Scott versus Sam which would be the second wild card or the first wild card team yeah yeah okay anyway we're gonna go to our picks because this is confusing me nick (laughs) why don't you kick us off with first of all just who you have making the playoffs and then we'll we'll i can do it by the bracket yeah i have labeled i have winning the east i have jake and i have him as a top team in the standing so he'll play the second wild card team which i'm giving myself the benefit of the doubt to climb back up to number eight overall so still not very high Um, but I'll, i'll give myself that second wild card spot to play jake I have the second place team in the East, you, Nate versus JC, the third place team in the East winner of the West Scott, number two overall in the standing. So he'll play the first wildcard team. And that will be, I have as Mike and then the number two and number three in the West. I also have Nick Lee dropping out and I have Jerowin and Brendan as the West two versus West three matchup. Okay, let me correct. Let me set the record straight here. Scott would be playing Mike in Fantrax's projections in the first round, and then Jerwin would be playing Brendan. Jake would be playing Sam. Well, I would just nix the Fantrax. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to set the record straight okay. here because I, I confused myself. I probably confused everybody listening. So, so my first round, my personal prediction for the first round is very similar to Nick's. Uh, some very slight differences. So I also have Jake winning the East side or the East division playing Mike as the second wild card team in the first round. And then I have myself versus JC as the second and third seed in the East division on the West side of the bracket. I have Scott as the winner of that division playing Nick as the first wild card team, Nick injuries, I should say. And then in the uh, second and third, third seed matchup of the West. I have Nick Lee playing Brendan. So I think the only difference that we have, Nick, is Jerwin making playoffs and Nick Nick Lee not. I have Nick Lee making playoffs and Jerwin not. Yeah, and you have Mike and I switched on the wild cards. Got it. Mike, what's your prediction for the bracket? Yep. So I think for the East, I you know, it's gonna be Jake. And I think the second wild card spot that he's gonna face is JC. And then I think I'm going to have you and me as the east side of the bracket. And then we're going to have Scott. And I also have you, Nick, League Bill and Nick, and Scott. And then I have Jerwin versus Sam. Oh, wow. I think Sam makes a big climb. There you have it. 
So we basically all have the same core of people making. We we all have five people from the East Division making the playoffs, uh, which I think that that's been the theme all year. Is the East Division is uh, quite a bit deeper, at least it it appears so through the first half of the season. Let's move on to our semifinals predictions. <clears throat> so coming out of round one, in my bracket, I have Jake beating Mike. Me beating JC. So that would be your east side of the bracket semifinals matchup is Jake versus Nate. And then in the west side, I have Scott beating League villain Nick and Nick Lee beating first round upset uh, giant and threat Brendan. So the west side semifinals would be Scott versus Nick Lee. Nick, who is your semifinals matchups? Yeah, my predictions might be pretty boring from here on out, being fairly chalk. I have currently, as they stand, I don't know if my team can beat Jake's. So I have Jake beating myself. I have Nate, you winning over JC, Scott winning over Mike, and Jerowyn winning over Brendan, setting it up for a Jake versus Nate semifinal and a Scott versus Jerowyn semifinal. Mike. I have Jake beating JC. I get my revenge from fantasy football and I beat Nate. I have Scott beating Nick. And then I have Sam beating Jerwin. I can already foresee what's going to happen in Mike's no. bracket. Mike yeah. versus Scott. Yeah. And Scott's going to win it all. Be fun, <laughs> yeah. no. All right. And finals predictions from each of our brackets. I did not pick a third and a fourth place, but. I have the winner from the east side of the bracket in my matchup of Jake versus Nate being me. <laughs> I think that this might, might, stay tuned for my championship prediction. This might be my year, and I have Scott winning the west side of the bracket over Nick Lee. So my championship mm -hmm. prediction is me versus Scott. Mike, who's your championship prediction? I do have Jake beating me, um, so I will pick that. And then I do have Scott beating Sam. And then I, my championship, are we well, going for the whole? Not no. yet, not yet. All right. <clears throat> I'll go to the west side first. I have Scott beating Jerwin. And I have Jake beating Nate. So it would be a Jake and Scott final. One. So we all have Scott projected to make the championship, which I don't want to take anything away in advance from Scott, but I think that that's no surprise. He should have a very... Actually, I think Scott's toughest matchup will be his round one matchup, whoever the wild card is. Yeah, Scott... I think the West second and West third will be easier. Scott will have the easiest path to the championship round, and that's not because of any faults of Scott's. I would actually say that's because he built his team so well. And then the rest of it is not necessarily by his doing. It's just because of the division that he's in. Um, so Nick and J Mike and Jake, Mike and Nick, sorry, have Jake versus Scott in their championship. I have myself versus Scott. My winner uh, of my bracket, my prediction for our 2023 league champion is. You're not going to pick yourself. Me. Yeah, I'm picking, <laughs> I'm picking myself. This is the year. This is the year. Now, Will the league turn around and reverse the trend of not making as many trades as we have in the past? No. That I can't say. But what I can tell you is that I think that I have the deepest keeper pool in the entire league. I have 12 legitimate, not mental gymnastics to consider them a keeper, players who should be desirable assets for selling teams to acquire. So I'm definitely projecting forward a little bit more development and growth of my team's overall talent. But 
I have myself winning this year. I hope that it's a year. I would be very happy even if I didn't win for the next three years after, if I could just finally get over the hump. Mike, who is your winner in your Jake versus Scott championship matchup? It's tough. I mean, it's not tough. We all know. Just go ahead and say it. Picking Jake. I think he gets back oh, on board. I'm shocked. I think he gets back on board. I think Jake's team's been doing really, really, really well as of late. I know Scott's has as well, but I think Jake gets back on the board for another for another title. I think he's itching for it. And uh I think it's gonna be really close, but I'm gonna edge out Jake on this one. You know, and I won't bring a jumper. I'll just say I also have Jake beating Scott, and I think we all now have what we pick Scott to lose in the championship. Yeah. I think the one thing, and I'm sure Scott kind of is aware of it, and it's usually one of the biggest parts, if not the sole part, of helping build a championship team is having a really solid starting pitching crew. And uh, I think Scott has a really good team, but I think his starting pitching could improve. And so until it does, like I have, that's the reason why I picked Jake's team, because I like his starting pitching more if that matchup were to take place. Scott's team reminds me a lot of that championship matchup I had against you where my offense was lethal. I think I remember I had like Tatis, Juan Soto, Jose Ramirez, but the pitching, you just edged me on that pitching so well that that's what carried you over. And you see Jake's pitching, he's got, what, he's got Corbin Burns, he's got Zach Wheeler. I'm not pulling up fan tracks right now. I just know there's a few that he's got. And I think the pitching is going to matter down the road, down the stretch. Yeah, this league's always interesting to me because no matter how well you build your offense, I feel like in my mind it always comes down to who has the dominant pitching staff once you get deeper into those playoff rounds. Especially for the championship because it's a two-week matchup. So if you're right. getting two dominant starts you know, from top-tier pitchers, that's extremely right. helpful. And I'll say as a frame of reference, not that – Anybody besides the three of us and Scott know this from being in the dynasty league that I run, but in a 14 team dynasty league where I think 12 hitters is how many we start, uh, there's just a deeper or there's a higher potential to separate yourself from building a dominant offense. So good example is my team in that dynasty league is very much built through offense. And I think that that's uh, an equally viable strategy to building a dominant pitching staff like Nick's team has in that league. Uh, so I think that my team or a team such as that, that's very offense heavy would fare, uh, fare better in a league with deeper lineups and more teams. But in a 12 team league, there's, there's just not enough spots. We literally just start nine hitters. There's not enough uh, capability to differentiate yourself through your offense, I think. And that's why I think the pitching is so key. And I actually pointed that out to you earlier in the season, the more I played fantasy baseball, the more I've come to learn that with this format in particular, you have to really differentiate yourself to be a high-end keeper as a hitter. You know, if you're just above average or pretty darn good for a season, that's great, but is it going to carry over to next season? Because you can really, you can add, you know, pretty capable hitters for a scoring period of time right off of waivers rather than getting a solid pitching or pitcher off of waivers. That's a lot harder. Um, yeah. I, We've all been pointing to it. Pitching is extremely important in this league, being so shallow. So there you have it. Uh, Mike and Nick picked Jake to win the championship this year over Scott. I picked uh, me to win the championship over Scott. I guess positive takeaway for Scott, we all have him going to the championship. Maybe a negative takeaway, none of us having him win it. But he certainly has the capability to prove us wrong. Matchup preview coming out of 
the all-star break. So our six matchups are, we'll, we'll just go ahead and pick them and then we can talk about, you know, best matchup in our opinion after that. But first matchup of the week, weak pullout hitter versus team C Deemer. I think that Nick Lee's team is going to come out of the all-star break on a skid. So I'm going to go with Sam in this first matchup post all-star break. Mike, who do you have? I also have Sam. I mean, I'm picking him as the last wild card. So I think it makes sense to pick him. And I'll give Nick Lee a nod of confidence. I actually picked his team. I'm trying I like, to... Uh, I like Nick's name. Nick. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm trying Actually, to... I don't like his team name. Team C. Deemer. Come on, dude. Make yeah. Your own team name. I'm not a big fan of the, of the no name change myself. Same with Sam. He didn't change his team name. I actually liked... Uh, liked <laughs> Sam's team name, but I came up with that name myself when he took last place. Fantrax has Sam winning this matchup. So Mike, myself, Fantrax have Sam winning. Nick, League Villain Nick has Nick Lee winning the matchup. Second matchup of the week, Team Eminon versus the Walk Institute of Research. This one is not hard. I, I would be surprised if everybody didn't have Scott winning. Yeah, let's move on. Worst matchup of the week, too. Yep, Fantrax has Scott winning as well. Third matchup is the Mighty Vibes versus the Flying Rutschman. So this one gets a little bit more interesting because there's a battle for third place in the West. There's a battle potentially for that second wild card spot. I'm going to go ahead and pick Brendan to win this first matchup post All-Star break. Nick, who do you have? I don't even know who Brendan is. I picked Jerwin. Go ahead, Mike. I picked Jerwin as well. Fantrax agrees with me, so we have a 2-2 tie on that matchup. That is my honorable mention, though, as best matchup. We'll say that. Honorable mention. Okay. Fourth match of the week. Look at my Tatis versus JC and company. I know JC's team did not really take off in the way that we thought it would after uh, the trade, as we will refer to it. But I'm still picking JC's team to win this first matchup post All-Star break. Eddie's team has looked very inconsistent, being able to put up points at times, other times mm -hmm. being really dragged down by it's like his team is is the definition of star, studs and scrubs, and I just don't think that in a shallow league that's the way that you get by. So I'm going to pick JC in this matchup. Mike, who do you have? Eddie's team has been like weird. Like he'll come out and have a really good week, but I'm going to also still pick JC. Eddie's team is the second lowest scoring team in the entire league until until season. until it pops off for one week and then beats anybody. I pick JC for what I you know, laid out that he's a very low scoring team, Eddie. Eddie has a great offense. Uh, I think Garrett Cole and then nobody else on his pitching. Maybe yeah. one other solid pitcher, but that's it. Just depends on if that offense and Cole produces. I'm going to make a prediction right now. By the way, Fantrax has JC winning this matchup. I'm going to predict that even though I'm sending this audio to Eddie himself to edit and post, that he is not going to change Dansby Swanson, who is on the 10-day IL as of July 8th, a.k.a. last Saturday, out of his lineup before lineups lock on Friday. So that is my prediction that Eddie is not going to pay attention to the extent that he even takes an injured player out of his lineup. Wow. Second to last matchup of the week is going to be a good one. Jake's fantasy baseball team versus eating ass and taking names. My team had... The best week possibly that any any team has had all season this past week coming into the All-Star break. Uh, but Jake's team has been on a bender for basically two months, uh, basically not losing in that stretch. So, Nick, I'm going to go to you first. I'm curious who, who, which way you're leaning in this 
uh, matchup of the juggernauts, if you will. Well, I did pick Jake to beat you in the playoffs. However, I am picking you in this matchup to win, Nate. Mike. Your team has also been on a bender as of late, so this is going to be really tough, really close. Um, I think I'm going to have to still give the edge to Jake. It's going to be a tough one, though. Really tough. What's the, what's Fantrax predicting? Fantrax okay. has me winning by 1.5 points oh in the extended matchup. So Fantrax is basically not taking a side here. Uh, I will break the tie between the two of you. Of course, I have to break the tie. We both uh, picked Jake, didn't we? Or we both picked you. No, you picked oh. me. Mike picked Gosh. Jake. Sorry. I'm going to pick myself. I mean, I'm a guest on the podcast. That's what guests do. They pump up their own team. Guests and Jerwin, I should say. Uh, so I'm going to pick my team in this matchup. I, I see right now that I have a two-start volume advantage on Jake. So that's that's kind of what I'm going to use to break differentiate. I think Jake's team is very good. Uh, definitely a top two team in the league. So we'll see. I would I would be very hyped to get a win over Jake's team this week. Last matchup of the week is between you two gentlemen, No Money Mike versus the Beaver Valley All-Stars. Fantrax has Mike, Mike by wide margin. Smoking. Not, yeah, I just looked at it. It doesn't accumulate it's... any points for Shane McClanahan currently. Yeah, but it does project you for 10 starts from your from your pitchers, which I find I is really McClanahan. interesting. And is McClanahan expected to come back? Uh, last I heard, he was likely going to return after the All-Star break, but we'll see. I'll keep my eye on it. Don't worry. I won't leave him in if he's not playing Mike. I am going to pick... Who's going to pick Mike? Nick. Oh. I'm going to pick Nick. I would say the only thing that gives me pause is that I feel like Acuna has kept Mike in, or just one Mike, any close matchup that he's had. I'll give you All one year. piece of advice, Mike, if you don't know this. Do not trade Acuna. I already told. I already told Mike. Acuna. I already told Mike. Don't I'm trade Acuna unless it's to me. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, who are you picking in your matchup with? Mike? I am putting myself. I'm picking myself. I'm, I feel like I'm going to finally get back on the win train. So I'm going to pick myself. You better, or else Nick has a chance of passing you. I have with to. two good weeks so I'm in picking a row. Myself. Well, I'm picking myself for the same reason. I have to. I need. I need to win. <laughs> He's begging. I might get on the field with these guys. <laughs> Actually, that might not be too good. Though I was a part of the Beaver Valley All-Stars. You know, that's, that was a really good 10-year-old. Best matchup of the week. Uh, I'll talk about your guys' matchup because I feel like you guys are obligated to talk about mine because that's going to be a really good matchup. I always find myself gravitating toward and Mike you said it was your honorable mention Jerwin versus Brendan so that's why I'm not picking that one I always feel myself more compelled to pay attention to the matchups between the guys that are fighting for a playoff spot rather sure. than the guys that are very comfortably in the playoffs sure so as two guys that are on the fringe of making the playoffs and two guys in my division I'm really curious to see who's going to get the head start going into the second half here. And by the way, I keep saying second half. The second half, like post-All-Star break, is much shorter in terms of length of the regular yeah, season. Only, like, how many matchups do we actually have? I think we have four. four. Yeah, I four. say no more than four or five. So it's like the second half of the real-life baseball season, but we literally only have like four more We're less than three weeks matchups. away from the trade deadline. Yeah. Yeah. 
Some so boys. I hope that people get started yeah. talking. Some people better start deciding what they're doing. But that's my best match of the week is is the two of you. Uh, any that was my any pick. other picks? No, that was my honorable mention, Mike and I, because I mean, when you have the East one versus East two, it has to be your number one. You two. Yeah. I just picked the one between you and I, uh, Nick, because ours really sets the tone of who's going to be wild card, who is going to get a wild card, and maybe we both could. I had, I predicted both us getting wild cards, but so if I. you beat me, I I might really struggle getting to a wild card spot. So have mercy. Yeah, Nick's Nick's got to get busy living or get busy dying here, pretty <laughs> much. But uh, that wraps up our our matchup preview. Getting into news and notes. So we're not really going to talk too much about fantasy news besides, I guess, I guess it'll be a half of our segment. I'll start with those, which are Jordan Romano left the all-star game with a back injury. I've been hearing that it's just back tightness. So that's what McClanahan went on the IL for. Yeah, but McClanahan throws six innings at a time. Romano is throwing one inning at a time. So I, I don't really necessarily know how to interpret that. If, if the reliever would be more sensitive to injury or if it would be less of a concern because they don't, they don't pitch volume. I'm not too worried about him. Do you guys have any differing thoughts on Romano or, or if you're worried about him? Not a whole lot, no. His recovery I mean, I worry better. about him only for your matchup with Jake. I think you need him. The but, more, But not long-term, no. The more interesting piece of news for fantasy – is Yuri Perez got option to triple A. Uh how long do you guys think that he's gonna be down? And do you think that this is a concern that's gonna come mm. back up around play on around fantasy playoff time where Scott potentially wouldn't be able to start him in confidence for for a playoff matchup? Yeah, because at that point if he's getting sent down for time off, is he gonna be built up to pitch more than four innings, maybe max five innings at a time, which that's not very good for fantasy for his top end production. I, I would have a, you know, some hesitation, some concern if I were Scott, because uh, like I mentioned, I think his pitching is where, you know, he can improve the most. And one of his best pitchers, Yuri Perez is being controlled for innings right now. And if he's being shut down, being built up to be able to go at length in a game and a matchup that he's, you know, crucial for Scott, that, that could, uh, you know, might not happen for him. That's tough too, because if I'm Scott, there's no way I trade Yuri Perez. So I feel like you kind of just have to eat it. I mean, you're happy to have him because he's going to be a, an amazing keeper, but uh, that's tough to eat as a as a top playoff team. Mike, what do you, what do you think? Is is Yuri Perez going to hurt Scott in the playoffs by not being what he has been for the past month and a half? Yeah, I could definitely see it. I think Miami's almost treating him as a ghost of Sixo Sanchez, meaning like to control his innings. They don't want him to get hurt. They know he's going to be their guy for a while. Um, so I could definitely see it hurting Scott for sure, and I agree. Like, can't drop him, can't trade him. I don't know. I actually disagree with you guys. I'm not saying I want to trade Yuri Perez, but if I'm Scott and I'm following this closely and I'm learning more and more as it approaches playoffs, that if he comes back, it's going to be in a limited role. And my time to win is right now. Like, I have a very clear path to make it pretty handily to the, the championship. If I could trade Yuri Perez for a top five SP from a, for, from a selling team with maybe one other additional piece, I would do that because the time is right now to win. That's kind of how I treat the past two seasons as somebody who's won the league is nobody's untouchable for me if it helps me win it all right now. You can't value the future that you can't predict that much when the, t the time right now for you to be in a very good position, 
very handily positioned to win is right here in front of you. Sure. I can make the opposite argument, though, that I've arguably had the best team in the league each of the past three to four seasons. At least that's what everybody seems to opine. About. Yeah, are you hurting for keepers? No, but I'm saying it's like there's no guarantee that just because you have what you feel is the best team on paper or the better team or the upper hand. Can in the you matchup. win without having the best keepers? I came in as an expansion team and won. I had very little solid keepers. I had Wander Franco. That was it. Yeah, but I think it's a lot easier and your margin for error increases a lot more. Like I think Mike and I's teams are in very similar somewhat in terms of talent positions right now. But who has more flexibility to improve the talent of the roster right now? It's me, because Mike only has probably three legitimate keepers. I don't know. I, that's just my mindset is when I'm going for it, I'm going for it. It's not that I, I, want, I, don't, it's not that I want to sell every piece to make not just my starting roster and my bench the best. But if I'm going for it, I want to feel very confident that my team cannot just compete. But I want to be able to see myself winning it all. And I'm actually having a hard time with that right now because I don't see my team. I know we're detracting away from what we were talking about with Scott um, and Yuri Perez. But right now I don't see myself as a winning team. So I'm, I'm trying to figure it out, being in a position as a bubble team. Because I want to be in a position to where I, I have confidence that I can win it all. Or I don't really care to be a guy that just makes it in to get one upset and then see my way out. I don't think that's worth it to me. I think there's different, you know, you could you can look at it from from different angles. I don't necessarily, without being able to see the future, you can't say what's right or wrong. Which predicting the near future is a lot easier than predicting a year ahead or years ahead. I mean, I'll give you an example that of, of a guy that I think Yuri Perez could be just as valuable as, given some more time and we see how talented he is. I think this time next year, Yuri Perez could be just as valuable as a keeper as Spencer Strider is right now. When did Yuri Perez get drafted? 19th round, I believe. No, I think he's a really good keeper. If actually, if I was Scott, I'd have someone in mind I'd trade him for. Maybe not right now. I'd wait to see what's happening with Yuri Perez. But I'd have Nick idea. wants you to trade him to him, Scott. No. You're going to see <laughs> it this from week. Atlanta You're going to see it this week. No, I'm still competing. Uh, Anyways, that was a pretty long rabbit hole. Yeah. Last, I'll, I'll, I'm actually going to throw in just off the cusp here one more piece of fantasy news. Uh, that I have a question based on. So I was reading a headline that says once Bryce Harper starts playing first base, Derek Hall might be out of a job. Now, obviously nobody cares about Derek Hall, uh, but I did almost forget that Bryce Harper, the plan for him is to start playing first base in the near future, which means to me, he's going to get first base eligibility and he is actually only going to have first base eligibility going into next season to you guys. Does that make him at all any more valuable or less valuable as a keeper, given that Bryce Harper going into 2024 is going to be first base only? Now, I think obviously he'll pick up right field eligibility very very early in the year next year, mm -hmm. but does that at all impact the way that you view, uh, view Bryce Harper? I think you want us to say that make him more valuable. <laughs> Honestly, like, and, it's I, Bryce and my response is let me see him out in the field first. What does his defense have to do with? I'm saying I want to see him actually playing the field. I don't believe it until I see it. Oh, so you're saying you're not because even ready? You're not even ready. Any to... position eligibility, of course, it increases his value. You're not gonna, you're not ready to conclude that he's going to pick up first base yes. eligibility. I guess yeah. is what you're saying. That's correct. Mike, any I'm thoughts? Pretty much Especially when the Phillies yeah, are like, competing. 
to me is Bryce Harper. <laughs> it increases his value for sure, but little little first base right field by two weeks into next season. <laughs> he is really trying to sell Bryce Harper. No, I'm not. Actually, I don't because want, Bryce Harper has been just average. No, but, I don't. I don't want to trade Bryce Harper. He's been. Yeah, that's the, that's that's I've, the listen. salesman saying. I don't want to trade him, but I do. I've sent out my list Stay, to mul- another position. No, it's not I've, really helping me right now. I've sent out my list to multiple people. I have two guys marked off as not available. Bryce Spencer, Harper's Spencer available. Strider and Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's available. He's not. Nah. He's not. <laughs> I don't believe you. He's not. If you don't believe me, send What's me an offer. <laughs> What's the next piece of news? Next piece of news. The last two pieces of news don't have anything to do with fantasy, more so just uh, us being fans of baseball. Julio Rodriguez broke the record for most home runs ever hit in a single round of the Home Run Derby with 41 in the first round of the Home Run Derby on Monday night. Still Guys, I was hoping make the finals. I know he didn't make the finals. I was hoping that he would get to 44 because that's the number that he wears. I thought that would have been pretty cool. But Mike, this is your boy. You could not stop talking about this when you got here tonight. Yeah, it was exciting to watch for sure. I mean, he definitely had to just because of who we had to face against uh, in round one with Pete Alonso. But uh, yeah, it was definitely exciting to see. It was just all of a sudden, boom, home run, boom, home run. He wouldn't stop. Um, I think he definitely deserved to win it, but going all out like that the first round, yeah, it's going to be t- kind of tough to uh, continue forward. When are you going to get a Julio Rodriguez jersey? I don't know yet. Do you, think, do you think Julio is ever going to win the Home Run Derby? Yes. Hey, one of us in this room is wearing the Home Run Derby champion's jersey. True. I think Julio will definitely win a Home Run Derby at some point within the next three years. The next question that I have, it doesn't relate to either of the two players that we're talking about with respect to the Derby, but in all of professional sports, is the Home Run Derby the best all-star game slash weekend event across any of the sports i oh, think absolutely yeah. it is hands what, down. what else would compare the dunk contest maybe dunk like, contest, i think back in the day when you had any sport. any of the actual games themselves but i don't i don't really care too much for the actual games yeah. the home run derby is awesome i think the dunk contest is the only one that's comparable but home run derby i think is the best i agree i think the all-star game for ml uh nba is better than the mlb but in terms play of defense yeah but it's still really fun to watch like you're not going to watch what was the score of the All-Star game last night? I, didn't, I, didn't, watch I didn't watch it. Well, that's where I'm getting at. Well, we're talking about the Derby compared to anything else. The Derby compared to everything else, yes. I think that is the most fun thing to watch. For I Derby. would agree with you, Mike. If I were to choose, I'm not even a basketball fan, but if I were to go to one All-Star game, I think I would choose the you NBA All-Star game over the MLB All-Star game. Oh, You guys are crazy. No next way. time next time All-Star weekend comes to Pittsburgh, I'm there. I'm there for Should the Derby. have an NBA team. I'm there well, for the Derby. I'm there for the game. For the NBA All-Star game. And see these mammoths of human beings dunking. I, mean, and I guess so, but cool. I would rather be sitting directly behind home plate. Yeah, for a 2-1 game. So what? That'd be so cool. All right, anyway, we're going to wrap up news and notes and wrap up uh, almost the whole episode here by talking about my favorite part of the Derby, which was when we saw Adley Rutschman hit 28 bombs, or maybe it was 27. It was 27. In the first round, but after his first three minutes, when he got his bonus 30 seconds, the first three minutes, he was hitting lefty, and his dad was pitching to him, so that was one cool part of it, and he was already doing well, and then when he came out for his bonus 30 seconds, he set up on the right side of the plate, and he went seven out of eight swings for home runs, and was just pimping every single home run from the right side of the plate, and even though it was the first round, and he lost to Luis Robert, 
that just pumped me up. That was probably my all-time favorite derby moment. Uh, granted, I haven't watched more than like five home run derbies in my life, but that was my all-time favorite moment from the derby. Did you guys get to watch that live? Yeah, yeah, it was really cool to watch. Um, I said to myself, as soon as he switched hit and got seven out of eight, I'm like, is Adley Rushman going to win this home run derby? It was really cool. He was at like plus 2,000 odds. He was like, I know. And he I'm was the seeing, biggest underdog. And I'm world. seeing this, and I'm like, wow. If anybody betted on Adley Rushman to win the home run derby, you're sitting there and you're watching, and you're like, oh, man, this is exciting to see. But really cool. I sent an, I sent an offer to Brendan for Adley directly after that, and he turned me down. <laughs> well, his team name is the Flying Rushman. Nick, any thoughts on Adley? In the derby, did you watch? No, I was putting Gemma to bed. That's a bummer. It was awesome. <laughs> I was singing bedtime kit, you know, songs. So that was just as awesome. All right, we're gonna go to our airing of grievances. I'm gonna give everybody a chance. Uh, I'll go last because I have to think off the top of my head of what I want to air grievances wise. Mike, let's start with you. Uh, do you know the prompt? I do not so repeat it. So I'll, I'll say it for you, and then you can just pick up. I have problems with you people, and you're going to hear about it. I have problems with you people, and you're going to hear about it. And mine is with Mr. Nick Lee. I sent you an offer, and I'm not going to speak of it, because I don't really do that. But there's a quote-unquote bench piece that you have on your team that I was trying to get for. And you decline my offer because say you're going to start him and currently right now he's in your bench so if you don't start him well guess what that's my problem with you sounds like that's all you have to say about that and that's all i gotta say about that don't worry nick lee if if i were in your position mike told me what the offer was i would also turn it down man (laughs) nick andrews i I didn't prepare for this well you could just fly off the cusp you have grievances uh air of grievances Nick Lee, choose your own name. Sam, change your team name. Uh, Eddie, manage your own team. Just manage your team, period. Yeah, that's what I meant. Manage your team. Get a starting pitcher in your pitching spot. All right. I have problems with you people. You're going to hear about it. I'm shooting off the hip. Sorry if you don't like what I have to say. Eddie, you're being a deadweight manager right now. Do something. Make a trade. Make an ad change your lineup, do something. You have a very good core of players and you're doing nothing to try to enhance your chances to win. Nick Lee and Jerwin, not trading and just sticking with the guys that you drafted is a bum strategy in a league where you have very active traders because those are the guys that are going to get to the playoffs five out of six years. And maybe you have one or two experiences in those six seasons that you feel like Oh, that's enough to hang my hat on for my strategy. But I would say compare your track records. I guess I can't really say that to Nick Lee. But anybody who likes that strategy, compare your track records to people that do the opposite. And I think more times than not, you're going to see that there's a lopsided comparison. Uh, Jake, I have a grievance with you. You guys totally skipped over one of my favorite trades of the entire season, which was Nick and I trading... Julio Urias and Sandy Alcantara. I felt like not only was that one of my favorite trades and I wanted to hear you guys talk about it, it was probably one of the biggest trades that happened in the league all season. I know that there weren't many to choose from, but that makes it even more important that you guys missed it. 
that's pretty much it. <laughs> I was trying to think of more, but that is all I have to say about that. So thanks, guys, for listening. Hope you enjoyed this All-Star Break edition of the podcast. We'll be back next year, I hope, I think. This has been, what, three years in a row? Three years in a row. Next year, it'll probably be four. Probably. But uh, that is it, guys. And thanks again for listening. Yerp.